This is The Shift Podcast. The Shift Daily Podcast is available every single day when The Shift is done. Coming up, Canada's home to some of the best cheese in the world, did you know? And we have the youngest cheese expert ever, Afram Christine shares the story about how we went from helping out at his parents' cheese boutique in Toronto to growing the business and having his own show on Food Network Canada. It's amazing, by the way, and we look forward to seeing it. It debuts next week, but you can hear his words about it on the podcast. Also, Steve Stabbing reviews The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, and other movies that aren't terrifying on What the Hell Should We Watch From Home This Weekend, and Are You Okay? With many things, including political speeches, Don't miss it. It's on the Shift Daily Podcast coming up. Are you okay? Are you okay with bobcats? Like the excavators? Yeah, I like the excavators. I like excavating. They're fun. Get work done. Construction equipment's fun. It's fun to drive. Construction equipment, low driven truck, big truck. Yeah. I, I I like cats named Bob. I think Bob is a great name for a house cat. Bob the cat. <laughs> you know, it would a Robert would be great too. Robert cats. Are you are you okay with Robert cats? Yeah. I like that. Yeah, I like that. All oh, right. I see what you're a cat got out of the bag at high school in Scranton, Pennsylvania this week. It began when West Scranton High School officials thought a bobcat was on the prowl around the school on Tuesday morning. Here's WNEP TV reporting. As a precaution, they sent the students home early and called in the game commission. Ah, but this was no bobcat, just a regular house cat. Although it is a clouded jack cat, which is an exotic breed that kind of resembles the wild animal. Looks, I mean, identical. The colors of a bobcat. Uh, It's missing a tail. So, uh, you know, it's just, it's err on the side of caution. You know, we make sure all the students are safe and the uh, staff are safe. And once they safely removed the cat, they found it was microchipped. Turns out it had been missing for the last three months, and now the cat named Kashi has been reunited with its family. I am not kitting around. (laughs) This tall tale was a little scary. Oh, that's pretty good. (laughs) Pretty good. I give credit to that. Although I do find it strange where he said it's missing a tale. That implies to me that it had more tails than just one. Oh, ve- yeah. wow. Very good. <laughs> um, owner. I guess not. And they have a little docked one, maybe a little one. Yeah, um, do some research. Shanine Johnson told WNEP TV had us for a little bit of a run around town trying to follow up leads and stuff. But then behold, he's at West Brackets Scranton High School. Exclamation point. So, uh, sorry, guys. It's <laughs> the weirdest quote ever. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Who? How can you put brackets in conversation, by the way, if it's a quote? That's the strangest thing. Oh, well. It's the way it goes sometimes. Mm-hmm. Are you okay? Are you okay with luck? No, you make your own luck. Ooh. Yeah. Brandon with the hard facts here. Hard facts. Yeah, you just you make your own luck. I don't I don't necessarily believe in luck. I mean there's chance. They're like what like what are the odds? But like as far as luck, no, not really. It's not a thing. But if you how can you not believe in luck if you can make it? That's like saying I don't believe in sandwiches unless I make one. Okay, well I don't believe in the 
traditional concept of luck, then I do believe that there's some level of personal responsibility when it comes to things that do happen and other things are just mere chance. But as far as luck, like, oh, you're lucky. No, I, I don't believe it's just, it's just, I don't, I'm lost. Believe in lucky as, as lucky as, as people often know of it. I've spent so much time writing about luck that um, hmm. it's mind blowing. Um, luck is a very, very, very special belief system. But I would agree with Brendan fundamentally when he says that luck is actually created. Now, luck does happen, but luck is usually a result of somebody creating something. Um, yeah, but it, it gets into some pretty wicked belief system stuff too, right? Gets into hippy-dippy law of attraction, gets into manifestation, gets into all kinds of things that you create the luck around you. And anything beyond that would just be synchronicity. I think that's kind of what you're saying with chance, right? Like synchronicity? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, I, I do believe in luck. Yes. And I do believe in being lucky. But I, I agree with Brendan that it's not some sort of karmic thing that comes around and goes around like karma is believed to go. I think that luck is something that we actively observe, celebrate. And, and a lot of biggest piece of luck to me is actually the other end of it, which is gratitude. So I probably didn't think this, are you okay? Was going to go there, but here it is. <laughs> Tell me more, Sna Ryan. Oh, snaps you for snaps you. Even. Snap, no, yeah. yeah, snaps. No, it's good. Yes. Luck is cool. I did. Uh, one time I entered a bunch of, uh, raffles in elementary school to win a model of a Dodge Charger and uh, get a autographed Blue Jays hat and a coupon for my favorite pizza place. And I won all three. Wow. Lucky. So luck was on my side That's that right. day. That is lucky. Really? Mm -hmm. But I've Cause... entered probably 300 raffles for sneakers and I've only won two. So I think I've, yeah. I think my luck card is running, run a little dry right now. Yeah, that would be the karma part that I talked about. I think it's great. I love luck. Luck is one of those great things. You know, Tony Robbins, you see those lucky brand hats that golfers wear all the time? That's actually Tony Robbins. And he has a big belief system thing around luck. So if you ever want to read about luck, Tony Robbins is a great guy to look up and his belief systems around what is luck. Very cool stuff. All right. Uh, the are you okay? A DC woman must have spilled salt, stepped under a ladder, and pa pass a black cat because yeah. she is what? Passed and, a black cat. You no, know, it's, 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 it's pass a black cat, not passed. It's, it's yeah. pass. I can vouch we for We made that. it. We did yeah. so well. This here is the tribunal. You know, for... Oh, you know what? No. No. This keep reading. That's a typo. Mm. All right. Keep reading. Okay, I'm going to just keep reading, as Ryan suggests. A D.C. woman must have spilled salt, stepped under a ladder, and pass a black cat. Well, you pass some stones or pass a black cat, I guess that would be a thing, because she is very unlucky. Her car was stolen twice in 24 hours, and the second time happened right after D.C. police had found it and notified her. The car's owner, Yasmin, is still trying to wrap her head around what happened. Here's more from 4 News. And I get a phone call from the police officer telling me that my car is gone. Yasmin's car was stolen on Fenton Street in Silver Spring Friday night. It was pouring rain. The 21-year-old from Clarksburg, Maryland, says she dashed from her car to the entrance of an apartment building to hand an Instacart delivery to a woman waiting there. 
I turn around and I just see these three kids circling my car. And before I can even do anything, like, it just happened so fast. They just drove away with my car. Around 10 a.m. Saturday, Yasmin received a call from a D.C. police officer saying the silver Mercedes had been found in an alley behind the 1400 block of Chapin Street Northwest. She says the officer told her he was with the vehicle. Yasmin says she tried but failed to find her spare keys. I did talk about a tow. He said yes, if I can't pick it up, that he would have to tow it. But he told me it's a better decision for me to call my insurance and have the tow and get a tow from them. That way I wouldn't be charged for a call to her insurance company to arrange the tow took longer because of the holiday weekend. It was after 6 p.m. The tow truck driver, coordinating by phone, was just blocks away from Chapin Street when Yasmin says she got a call saying the car had been stolen again. I did everything that I possibly could. No, you did not. No, you did not. Wow. That got heated quickly. Jeez. Uh, in it. In a statement to 4 News, police say they are aware of the incident and it's currently under an internal investigation to determine if any polices... Oh. <laughs> I just assumed it was a typo. <laughs> policies. <laughs> oh, man. See, I'm so used to the typos that I just even just assume it is. Any policies have been violated. Man, I feel violated. Uh, police want to hear from anyone in the area who might have a security camera video from the alley friday night or saturday morning um that's really unlucky i would say yeah you know what see that, that's the luck part right is that you create your own luck would be lock your car that's kind of yeah. how that one works are you okay are you okay with political rally speeches no i think they're like the worst the worst thing that we do like i just they're one of the worst things about today this day and age that we live yeah. in they've become terrible they were fine it was not something i was gonna you know it's not a way i was gonna spend my saturday but now it's like a, a, a storm of toxic ridiculousness people start to worship their you know party leader like it's a cult what I, I miss when politicians were just people we voted for and we didn't like, which team are you on? <laughs> who's who's your favorite? You know, you wearing a T-shirt? No, it's just, no, I voted for them. I like them. That's it. And I think rallies are a part of the problem there. Uh, yeah, well, the mentality around rallies, we, we've seen it so many times, right? You get this sort of pack mentality thing. It plays into the psychology, so much of the psychology around people um, and the acceptance. You hear a bunch of people going, yeah, and you're like, what? Yeah. And, you know, it creates that I belong feeling that that people are or get sucked into a little bit. A New Mexico sheriff who is running for mayor of Albuquerque was interrupted while on stage at a campaign event by a flying drone with a sex toy attached to it and a man who punched him. <laughs> yes, all of that did happen. Here's a summary from a very tired man at the Hill. According to video posted to Facebook, as well as the Bernalillo County Sheriff's Office report, Bernalillo County Sheriff Manuel Gonzalez III was speaking at his mayoral campaign event when a drone with a sex toy attached began hovering over him. The owner of the drone, Kaylin Ashby Dreyer, tried to grab the device but turned his attention to Gonzalez, at which point he took a swing at the sheriff and started to yell statements at him, including, quote, he's a tyrant. Uh, I get why he. I get why he sounds tired. 
Gonzalez said it was uh, at a news conference on Wednesday that he believed the man with the drone was with several companions and spotted someone standing on the other side of a fence who he believes was flying the drone. It became so distracting from the sound and everything, I couldn't really get my point across, Gonzalez said. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to hear the audience's reaction to this little event? Sure. I would very much yeah. like to hear that, Shane. I'm not running on, I'm running on a quality, not a quantitative message, okay? So, if so. Is that a dong on a we drone? Have a, we have a gentleman over here that's, I guess, trying to be cute. So. Is <laughs> that a dong on a drone? <laughs> that's got to be one of the funniest things I've ever heard. Oh. oh. Oh, God, it's here. <laughs> oh, goodness. 20 year old Kaylin Ashby Dreyer has been charged with petty misdemeanor battery and misdemeanor resisting, evading, or obstructing an officer. According to a deputy on the report, Dreyer said that he did not intend to hit Gonzalez, but was upset at the way Gonzalez answered a question and intended to swing his fist through the air uh, between um, the punch and the, he didn't, he got punched, he didn't get donged. I guess that's probably good clarification to toss into that story. <sighs> Can we play the second clip again? I want to hear the second clip, please. I'm not running on. I'm running on a quality, not a quantitative message. Okay. So, if so. Is that a dong on a drone? We have a gentleman over here that's like, just trying to be cute. So. <laughs> uh, I want the, I that should pause. be my new ringtone. Is that a dong on a drone? Uh, the pause is just a, perfect. Yeah, it's the pause. And also just, she knew what it was and she still asked it. It's just so funny. <laughs> the video is Man. outstanding. Let's just say that the size is, it's big. It's impressive. The drone can carry the weight, honestly. It's hilarious. <laughs> what a great story that is. Are you Okay. Are you okay with Bigfoot? No, I think we've got to figure out UFOs first. Yeah, I agree. It's <laughs> a good line. I agree. There hasn't been a whole lot of new Bigfoot news. That's kind of the way I look at it, right? Until now. Federal officials are investigating an incident involving at least one gunshot fired over the weekend at Mammoth Cave National Park. But this isn't your normal gunshot because this time the gun was fried after an apparent Bigfoot <laughs> sighting. <laughs> wow. That's a funny one. It's frying up Fry. a gun. You do it at the Calgary Stampede. <sighs> the gun was fired after an apparent Bigfoot sighting. While the park did not release any additional information, a camper named Brad Ginn told News 2 that he and his girlfriend were there at the time. Here's more from News 2. A couple woke up in the middle of the night to strange noises and were met with a man saying something destroyed his campsite. But they said that it was also Bigfoot country, which seemed a little weird that they would say that. The individual then informed them that they were searching for whatever destroyed their campsite and warned them to be careful. He said, like, I hope you have weapons. And then he, like, flashed his gun at us. He was like, I have this. So if anything happens to you, then just yell and I'll come. The two decided to head back to their tent. But when moments later they heard gunshots, the couple dialed 911 and met up with park rangers at their car five miles away. The rangers made contact with all the parties involved 
It is an ongoing investigation at this time. Mammoth Cave would like the public to know that there is no threat. Due to the bizarre circumstances, Ginn said he and his girlfriend immediately packed up and left the campsite. As Good you call. I think I would leave the second some random dude shows up at my tent and says, you better watch out. You're in Bigfoot country. Here's my gun. <laughs> yeah, do you bring yours? <laughs> if you get in trouble, I'm going to come and shoot something uh, concerning. Although, uh, reassuring, I suppose, to have someone who is so committed to protecting you in the woods against Bigfoot. This is the Shift Podcast. Cheese. 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 Grated cheese. Cheese. You have to cut your piece of cheese and tons of cheese. 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 Washing the cheese. 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 That was too much cheese. Every now and then we get to find out something new that's totally new. That's what happened to us here on The Shift regarding cheese. I had no idea it was such a world. Okay, so I'm going to introduce you to a guy. His name is Afram Pristine. He is a maître fromager. Master of the cheese. Exactly. And uh, he's with us here to talk about a couple of things. There's a show that he's been a part of uh, with um, Food Network Canada and uh, and all these things. But curiosity uh, has me. Afram, cheese. Like this is, I didn't know there was a cheese master, a mater d' for cheese, a sommelier for the fromagiers, if you will. <laughs> I had no idea. There's got to be. There well, has to be. It makes be, total you know, sense in hindsight. It, it's a food loved around the world. Do you like cheese? Well, I love, I do love cheese. I'm not like a fancy cheese person, although I'm getting better um, at learning the cheese and stuff like that. Um, my girlfriend's French, and so they use cheese in her family for everything. And so I'm learning. Everywhere. Right? This is the thing with cheese. I think that's kind of the exciting part is... Uh, you know, and this is what I know. I've been doing this my my whole life. So, uh, you know, my family and I, we have a, a cheese shop in Toronto for, for over 50 years. I've been doing this since I was a kid. Cheese is loved and eaten in every culture all around the world, one way or another. Whether it's like the French who have a beautiful cheese plate for dessert, of course, they're the kings and queens at that. Or whether it's in Greece where they incorporate cheese into every one of their dishes or whether it's a double cheese pizza, mm -hmm. or whether it's a cheeseburger, a mac and cheese, grilled cheese, some of the most iconic comfort foods that we all love and adore include cheese. So I only see it fitting that I should be the master of it. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. You could be the master of Putin. Um, exactly. That's so exactly. good. Okay, so the the I, I have questions. I have lots of questions. I have questions about your family Go store. Uh, I have because sure. who knew that there was a cheese boutique? But then again, in hindsight, I'm like, of course, there's a cheese boutique. That's a smart thing. I'm right. a business person. I love business, and um, of course, there should be a cheese boutique. I didn't think of that. Total blind spot for me. Plus, we've got the show. Plus, we've got your history as being the youngest. Uh, Maitre Fromage, uh, is it in history or in Canada? Uh, both. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's 50 of us and, and, you know, but it, you kind of said it uh, perfectly in, in the intro. I mean, there's the sommelier and then there's the master sommelier and there's tens of thousands of sommeliers. There's like 150 master sommeliers worldwide. I think like four or five in Canada. 
And in the cheese uh, master in my field, it's just a little bit more youthful of a history than the sommelier side. Mm -hmm. But still, I mean, decades and decades old. Uh, I was the uh, the youngest uh, to ever get it, and the only Canadian to ever get it in uh, 2013. So I was 33, 34, wow. and um, it's uh, I, you know I've learned uh, to make cheese, to age cheese, every a uh, aspect of the cheese business. I mean, this is also what I do for a living, and I've trained with some of the best uh, cheese mongers, with some of the best cheese makers, dairy farmers on the planet, and um, I've taught cheese at the the collegiate level at george brown college at niagara college here locally and humber college as well and it's a growing growing field we love cheese in canada it's in our dna mm. and um and i think that's kind of exciting and and you know we may not have the history like they do in switzerland france and italy but you know canada is a much more youthful country obviously but you know some some recipes of cheese in canada cheddar oka are over a hundred years old. This is something cheese curds. I mean, you mentioned poutine, like these are iconic dishes that we do very well. And, you know, it's kind of part about, I mean, this is what we do in my family business. We're, we're just over 50 years and at, at the end of June, we'll be 51 years. Uh, this raises the question. So you're, uh, you started this, you know, when you were a kid, so you go to your, your high school career counselor and they're like, Hey, Afrim, what do you what do you want to do when you grow up? Like, do you want to take shop class? You know, maybe golf. And you're like, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this thing, and I'm gonna do cheese. And then the the I imagine the career counselor looks at you and says, I'm sorry, what? And you're like, No, no, I'm gonna so, be like the cheese boss. <laughs> so it's very funny, kind of. So this is the thing. Uh, I went to high school. Okay. I went to high school in the annex and, uh, in the annex here in Toronto. And, uh, uh you know, uh, it was a much more affluent area. It was a good high school. Uh, I probably shouldn't have been there. Okay. I didn't deserve to be there, but my parents sent me nice. there. Okay. And I, you know, my classmates, parents were heart surgeons and, you know, big shot lawyers and, you know, investment bankers and these big, like prominent jobs. And I tell my buddies, I, you know, my friends and my classmates, yeah, my parents are in a cheat shop in the West end of the city. And everyone laughed, laughed at me. And now I'll tell you, they want to be my best friend. Those same classmates, <laughs> they want to be my best friend. So it's funny. It's funny how the world is full circle. And, 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 you know, here at my store, I mean, 50 years ago, it was the cheese boutique. It was the size of my little office here, okay, 500 square feet. We're now, you know, over 100 staff, and we just opened up another location and 10,000 square feet and 2,000 square feet. It's, it's, a, it's a pretty big operation. We sell to the best uh, restaurants and hotels in the city and the best chefs in the city. And, uh, I, you know, we have 16 or so thousand different ingredients from all over the world, 600 or so cheeses. It's a, it's turned into, a, you know, I like to call it a specialized grocery store. Yeah. And, and there's a want, there's a demand. I'm telling you, cheese is kind of brings me uh, uh, to the show and it's, um, it's perfect timing for a show like this. And, you know, it's one of the first docuseries the Food Network's ever done. And, and this is kind of the first of its kind is essentially a cheese focused travel show. Mm. Cheese gets me to these places. It's the vehicle to get me to Greece 
or to Switzerland or to France or to Canada, whatever the case may be, then I visit the best in the field, top cheesemakers, top chefs, and see what they do with cheese. It was exciting. Like, uh, this is what I've done my whole life, and I learned so much doing this. What do we misunderstand about cheese, and how does a situation like this, because getting yourself into, con- I mean, hey, spoiler alert, radio guy likes to talk and have conversation. Um, so you it. get into conversation, right? So you get into conversation with other uh, cheese heads, I don't know what you call yourself, um, and you, uh, you, you yeah. solve the world's problems, but we as consumers, we do, most of us don't understand it. So what does the show solve for us that we don't understand? Look, I, uh, I, it's a great question. I think um, the, uh, the biggest thing, and I, we kind of, you and I, we both kind of touched on it earlier, is we love cheese, like we do, no matter what. In one way or another, whether it's Kraft Single or the fanciest Parmigiano-Reggiano. I don't care. If you love cheese, that's all I care about, okay? What I think the consumer maybe misses is the hard work, the love, the passion that goes into some of your favorite foods, Mm. which is cheese. These cheesemakers, like, are literally, and and I'm not saying this because this is what I do for a living. They're some of the hardest-working humble honest people i've ever met in my life they do not do it to make millions of dollars not at all they do it because they clearly love it the term cheesehead is a fact is a term because you got to be uh, you know of a certain kind of person a certain kind of mind frame come from a certain part of life to like dedicate your life to something so stinky frankly <laughs> and i think that's maybe the biggest kind of thing consumers don't realize that i really hope they see in this show it's how much work, how much money, how much energy is spent on delivering us wonderful cheese, whether it's from Switzerland. Like some of the stuff I visited, it will blow people's minds. Like one of the coolest things in the French Alps, okay, there's a very famous cheese. You ask your wife, she knows this cheese. It's called Comte, iconic French cheese, kind of like a Gruyere Swiss style, but made in the French Alps, very, very special cheese. Where it's aged right now, and this was one of the the places I visited, is like the Tom Brady of cheesemakers, John Charles Arnault, like the best of the best. He has built a cheese facility, aging room, in what was Napoleon's last army barracks that Napoleon built in the 1870s. This army barracks... It's, it's bananas. Wait till you see it. First time a camera has ever been allowed into this place. This this uh, army barracks has a bigger footprint than the Pentagon. Oh, really? Wow. It's enormous. I've seen the Pentagon in person. It's uh-huh. a big joint. It's huge. This is even bigger because it goes like eight floors down. It's massive. And this is where this gentleman, who happens to be like the best cheesemaker in the world, or one of them, is aging 180,000 wheels of one cheese, nothing else, one cheese that are 150 pounds each. Wow. This, 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 it's a city. It's actually a little village. When people see this or when the viewers watch this, and I hope everyone watches it, but when the viewers watch this, I think they'll understand where the cheese comes from, which I think a big point of this show is not only that, where it comes from, but how it's made, why it's made, how long it's been made, all those like 
every cheese has a story. This is kind of why it's called Cheese a Love Story, because there's a romance behind it and there's like a history behind it. And I kind of liked how you said, I mean, you were curious about this whole thing. I mean, the cheese master and myself, that's interesting to me because I like that. I like that cheese is slightly curious and it kind of goes back to, we all love it. Mm -hmm. Now I want to show where it comes. I just from. feel like we take it for granted that we don't really know the history yeah. behind it. Um, and, and we often buy crappy stuff that we could for the same price, get so much better, or even for just a couple of bucks, get so much better. So you've got me I totally agree. Yeah, I've, you got me curious here. Okay. So I was looking at the list that they sent us. Um, uh, Emily sent to Ryan about, about the cheeses and that are in the first mm -hmm. episode of cheese, a love yeah. story. And it's the, the Switzerland is the first episode. And so then I, I was looking at it. I don't even know how to say it. So many of them. So I thought I would, I'm just going to say them and you can correct me because I don't, sure. I don't know. I don't, I don't even know. This is how much we don't know about cheese that you're putting in the first episode. I don't even know how to pronounce them. Uh, so Gruyere, is that right? For the first one? Okay, cool. Is it ra is raslet or ra raclette? I don't even know how to pronounce the second one. Yeah, perfect. And Gruyere is like um, like raclette, and raclette means to scrape in French. So raclette cheese is uh, they're big wheels, but you melt it, kind of like fondue, but it's even more interesting. So you put a half wheel under a heating element, okay? So this heating element heats from the top and, and, and melts the top of the cheese where you scrape it, where you raclette the cheese and you put it on potatoes. And with, with cornichon little pickles, it's like the greatest, it's Swiss comfort food. Wow. It's so good. Uh, sw so good. Swiss cemental, pine tree cheese, cold cheese, and then there's Vacherin uh, Fribourgeois. I don't, I'm guessing. Yeah, no, you're good. Your pronunciations are good. All right. Your French wife is teaching you French. Clearly. Yeah, well, <laughs> it depends on who you ask, not. I suppose. Okay. Um, uh, this is amazing. I love it. Um, Afrin Pristine is a cheese master, Maitre Fromage, and um, he's in Toronto. And he's got the cheese boutique if you want to check that out. But here is the part of what we're talking about most specifically. You can don't even have to go there yet. You can get a sneak peek into this new show, which is on the Food Network. It is Cheese, A Love Story. It starts next week, one week away. A Love Story premieres June 9th, 8 p.m. on Food Network Canada. And if that doesn't work for you, go to the Food Network Canada website because they will have access to see um, where you can catch things after the fact, if that's the case, because you can usually do that as well. So check out Cheese a Love Story. Uh, pique your curiosity with Afrim as he yeah. uh, takes tours around the world, plus here in Canada as well. And um, and this is great. Afrim does have a cookbook, by the way, for the love of cheese. Uh, from a couple of years ago, if you want to really dig into it. But here's what I suggest you do. Watch the show, get the cookbook, go to Toronto, go to the Cheese Boutique, and uh, and say hello. Afrim, this is amazing. Thank you. Well, you're a good man. You're, you're a good man. You honor me. I appreciate it. That was a lot of fun. It's the Shift Podcast. Okay, it is Friday. It's time to check in with what the hell are we going to watch this weekend in air conditioning version uh, with Steve Stebbing. So let's dig into that. And of course, we do have to ask Steve Stebbing, the, uh, your pandemic soundtrack. Steve, um, has it changed? 
you know, I, I'm a I'm a metalhead at heart. Um, so a lot of my stuff, uh, I mean, I've been listening to a lot of newer stuff, some of the stuff that's been released during the pandemic. Uh, like, uh, I've been listening to Chevelle's new album, uh, Neuradius. Um, Chevelle, really? I, yeah, which I, the album's incredible front to back. Um, uh, there's a band called Bring Me the Horizon that I've been listening to a lot. Um, and then, uh, uh, there's a band called Yonaka. I've been listening to some tracks that they've been releasing. And then uh, recently, a band called Fozzie just released a new new track. Uh, their lead singer is a professional wrestler named Chris Jericho. Um, oh, so Chris I've Jericho, kind of, really? Hey. Yeah. I've been kind of digging. Yeah, like, they fun. just keep getting better with age. So, um, yeah, their new song, Sane, is awesome. I love it. Cool. There you go. So there's a glimpse into the soundtrack of the <laughs> pandemic for Steve Stebbing, what he's best at is uh movies in particular yes. scary movies and like this is where steve and i can't hang out like we can hang out on <laughs> all fronts of life except for this one the scary movies so let's although i have been watching hello my house is haunted which is okay. on uh, one of the networks t and e or e and t or something um on on the tv i like that that's a good show so i like the shows about the paranormal the mm -hmm. movies that make it real though yeah not so much let's get started with steve stebbing what the hell should we watch this weekend in air conditioning with the conjuring a master satanist is not an adversary to be taken lightly Saving him worth everything you have. Because that's what it may very well cost. Okay. <laughs> don't go down the don't get into the well, Timmy. Whatever you do. Alright, tell us about it. Yeah, this is actually the third Conjuring movie. This is the Conjuring The Devil Made Me Do It. Um and uh it's more of a like kind of like a straightforward like almost exorcism type of film where they're in uh the Warrens uh um played by uh Patrick Wilson and uh, Vera Farmiga are investigating uh a guy that was uh accused of murder and then was acquitted uh due to de demonic possession and everything. That's kind of what the story surrounds. As the first movie in the series without James Wan directing it, he's only the executive producer. Uh, and instead, they give it to Michael Landis, who did uh, The Curse of La Llorona last year. Uh, and uh, diminishing returns, but still effective in where this... The, the the thrills lie which is the scares the jump scares all that kind of ghostly stuff it's still it's still effective and still works and still proves that the conjuring universe is still uh, a formidable uh, box office franchise brian was giving big thumbs up on that one ryan why mm -hmm. why the big thumbs up because i love the conjuring one and two Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is, but horror movies that are about like demonic possession and haunted houses, that's my favorite kind of horror movie. And uh, especially The Conjuring 1. I remember mm -hmm. seeing that movie mm -hmm. in theaters and there was a lady beside me that was doing the sign of the cross at the end of the movie. <laughs> 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 and it was, I love these movies. They they scare me in all the right ways. I've, I've heard from several reviews kind of the same thing uh steve that it's still great but it's definitely not as good um yep. honestly as long as i get 
you know, one or two really memorable scares, I can walk mm-hmm. away from a horror movie with a smile. Absolutely. And both the other movies have like characters that have come away from it, like that, that, that you're able to draw more from. And so uh, expect more of those kind of characters in this. All right. SteveStebbing.ca if you want to check out his blog and learn more about all of these things. Rockfield, a studio on the farm. Kingsley and Charles Ward are farmers who've gone into the pop business, converting the outbuildings of their farm into one of Europe's best equipped recording centers. That is when Rockfield became the world's first residential recording studios. We'd never been in a studio. We'd never been on a farm. Some of them lived with us. They were living in Nan's front bedroom. Freddie is in there doing the finishing touches to Bohemian Rhapsody. Wow. That sounds like a a record head's dream, isn't it? Absolutely. And nothing gets me uh, going better than a music documentary and a well put together music documentary. And that's exactly what this is basically about uh, two Welsh brothers, Kingsley and Charles Ward, who uh, in the mid 60s decided that they wanted to not just kind of be musicians, but they wanted to uh, help other musicians create because they had the land space to do it with this big, huge farm in Wales that is still run as a farm as well. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a milk farm too. It's a Jersey cow farm as well as uh, housing a studio that uh, worked with bands like uh, Black Sabbath, uh, Queen. Uh, I mean, just everything through the ranks uh, up into the nineties where you had Oasis, Stone Roses, uh, the, uh, the charlatans. I mean, just the who's who when it comes to uh, British rock and roll and influential British rock and roll. Uh, and just like the stories behind it are just fascinating. Uh, they get Liam Gallagher from Oasis in this movie. And what really makes me laugh and it just adds a little more oomph to his interviews is he always sounds like a London underground gangster that's like ready to slap you in the face at any second. Like with yep. every single story and line he's giving, it's hysterical, really. And I, I don't know. I kind of side with him a little bit more over Noel at this point. <laughs> this is the battling of the brothers uh, yes. never ends what the hell should we watch this weekend with steve stebbing uh, on blu-ray the desk shoplifters of the world the smiths broke up what? what you know the smiths may be dead but all the albums are still here i wish there was a way to get all the posers in this town to take notice i did have an idea something that would go down in musical history impress me what do you want there is a young man in the radio station pointing a gun. So, um, for the rest of the night, I will be bringing you the music of the Smiths. <laughs> now, this sounds like you're sucking up to somebody here. I'm just saying. I, I, without knowledge, without foreknowledge that I was sucking up to anybody at all whatsoever. Uh, and and <laughs> Ryan might be a little bit uh, disheartened by some of my review here uh, because, uh, yeah, this movie does take place uh, on the day that the Smiths uh, announced that they were uh, separating as a band that uh, Johnny Marr and uh, and Morrissey could not work together anymore and uh, basically is dealing with a group of teens that have basically formulated their life around the Smiths and the Smiths music and everything, as well as one guy has taken the little local metal station hostage and is now playing the entire Smith's discography. And all this, uh, all this movie did to, it was kind of further the, the, um, the stereotype that Smith fans are like this, 
these insufferable and miserable and just insatiably <laughs> angry people, which is honestly just Morrissey, if you really think about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, this whole thing's playing along oh, the backdrop like of like a uh, backdrop of like Morrissey interviews and stuff. And you're just like, oh, man, like wait till these kids in the 83 that are that are um worshiping the ground uh morrissey walks and wait till they get to now and they kind of have had the last few decades of what morrissey's really like yeah i've heard similar things from smith's fans i haven't actually mm. watched it yet so i think i might try to watch it this weekend and regardless of how bad the movie is anytime the music is played in conjunction mm-hmm. with the scene i'm gonna smile that's just my Absolutely. reaction uh but and a lot of people kind of in my my smith's fan groups which i am a part of many on <laughs> facebook i must admit they can't see through that it's like oh this movie's yeah. perfect but i've seen some yeah. clips and i'm like oh that doesn't yikes but yeah. i will probably still walk away enjoying most of this movie realizing it's probably not that great uh, agreed uh, it does play a lot like a stage play in a lot of places here and there but i mean you got a really rich soundtrack that's full of like their hits uh the ones that you expect but also some really great b-sides and i'm like oh yeah i remember that track so yeah i mean at least there's a benefit there all right well if you guys are done nerding out about this <laughs> we'll move on. sorry <laughs> all right. that's all it's all good it's fine i just i i've never been into it i it was just always so for me sorry no offense i know you love it i just i i, I love it because you love it and at this point maybe i just don't get it maybe i need to grow up our next movie uh with steve stebbing is spare parts long way from home aren't you just trying to get our name out there man Oh, uh, you're going to get your name out there. I got a feeling you're going to be filling arenas soon. What have you done to me? It's okay. You've been chosen. Chosen? To appease the gods. Ooh. <laughs> Scary. Yes. Yeah, we got some Canadian grindhouse uh, horror this week. Uh, basically, it follows a, a, a all-girl punk band called Miss 45, which is a really great in-joke there in cult film, uh, who find themselves in the crappiest small town uh, on their little tour. And then they get kidnapped, knocked out, and have uh, their limbs replaced with weapons as they are entered into like this gladiator-style battle to uh, appease the gods for this uh, self-proclaimed emperor in this town in an underground dungeon. Uh, and it is weird as heck. Got so much gore, but uh, the score was done by uh, Wade McNeil, who's a guitar player for Alexis on Fire, a Canadian group, uh, who's really moved hard into scoring films. He did Jay Baruchel's uh, Random Acts of Violence last year. And uh, just with all the just the clanging guitars and those heavy riffs and it, it makes this movie like so atmospherically kind of work, uh, of course, it's going to appeal to really those uh, cult fans and, and the ones that really dig into those B grade movies. But I had a lot of fun with it. All right, Steve Stemming, what the hell should we watch this weekend? Let's switch to TV. And Steve, we've got it. Uh, let's start with Sweet Tooth. We have time. Sweet Tooth on Netflix. What's in Colorado? I heard there's a safe place for kids like me. If you 
go out there alone, they'll have your head by morning. I'm not alone. I got you. Guys like me aren't good for kids like you. How do you know? Most people hate kids like me. Rusty. The last men have made it their mission to eliminate hybrids. We've made it ours to protect them. All right, tell us about Sweet Tooth. Oh, this show's awesome. It comes from a Canadian comic writer named Jeff Lemire, who actually is uh, known for uh, recently for doing a, uh, a a comic book collection with uh, Gord Downey before he passed. And uh, basically, this one's a uh, kind of post, almost post fall of man as a virus has taken over the world and uh, eliminated a lot of the the, uh, the population. But what happened is these kids were born that were hybrid between human and animal, which is where our main character is. He's kind of a deer boy. He's got antlers and everything in the ears uh, as he tries to make his way across a fallen uh, USA to find, potentially find his mother. Uh, and it is such, uh, for lack of a better term, a sweet hearted show like it's just really um smart and methodical in its storytelling uh, i doesn't really push a a, a a tv 14 rating so i think it's a little more open for for audience in in there uh but i i absolutely love the show i burned through it as soon as they gave it to me a couple of weeks ago steve stebbing what the hell should we watch this weekend thank you very much sir i look forward to chatting with you next week you have a fantastic weekend all right you guys too Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.